This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. We're your top Hey everyone, I'm Wa. And I'm Chris, and welcome to Docky Sweeties. We're two longtime friends to discuss the riveting and sometimes trashy world of reality TV and docuseries. Yes, but through our own lens, which can be awkwardly lit sometimes. Maybe it's well lit. Maybe it's rainy outside. Maybe it's dull. Maybe it's melancholy. But at the end of the day, hopefully mildly sweet. Hi. Hello. Um, So today we are giving you guys um, the Netflix docuseries Madoff, Monster of Madoff. Monster of Wall Street, season one, episode two. Yes, honey, he made off with, I mean, a lot of money, but not really, I guess, because not really, because he got caught. Uh, but we can talk about it, can't wait, because we have four episodes to talk about it. And this, honey, um, this one picks up where. Listen, in the first episode, we're kind of jumping back in between the FBI realizing that there's a scheme happening and also, you know, realizing the massive scale to it. So, and they had set up going to this lipstick building that was the offices of Bernie Madoff in his one legitimate business, which is like um, a market manager who has to buy and sell stock on... um, the 17th the 19th floor is the nice floor okay a fancy ass floor 19th floor legitimate business everyone's living their lives honey on the 17th floor is like the basement baby floor where there's like an illegal situation happening which we all know is like a pyramid scheme uh fake investment firm on the 19th floor there are like people there and they're like seedy and none of them really have a high education and we're gonna like kind of get into it so um it starts with a confession and an arrest uh, and we kind of like jump back in time to the present and what was happening in the 80s which is where we left off in episode one bernie had like ascended from his like childhood to like the you know father-in-law situation the 60s and 70s where he like you know had made technical advancements for nasdaq and then the 80s now are like in the rush of just like people coke everywhere it's like you know it's a high ass time literally and figuratively like we're coming off like the 70s you know quaaludes disco in the 80s it's just all about the power suits and the fancy cars and like the big hair it is just like the Texas thing for America, you know, everything was just like how big, how luxurious, just like so much white powder and so many noses. Yeah. So this episode, we discover more about the 17th floor, which is the floor that has a lot of all, not a lot, all of the, um, not, savory the unsavory behavior the ponzi scheme that's where the ponzi scheme lives and so we get a breakdown um, of the characters who work down there through the lens of someone who worked on the 17th floor who 
we can tell felt a little ways about the folks that were on uh, the, I'm sorry, someone on the 19th floor. So 19th floor is legitimate business. 17th floor, not legitimate business. I need, I need to keep that straight because I can't. I know. I've messed it up too, guys. Listen, I'm so sorry. So we're going to try and say it this way. This happened, The lower floor is the low, is 17, right? So the higher floor is the higher. Anyway, that's, that's how I'm going to try and do it. Okay. So the 19th floor is the legitimate business. The 17th floor, not the legitimate business, but the 17th floor is the business that makes the most money. I mean, by far. And sometimes the 17th floor twice that they've dictated has bailed out the 19th floor. And it's the reason why the 19th floor employees are probably able to make as much as they do, get the gifts that they do, and everyone's allowed to like do whatever. Now, let's get back to the 17th floor and let's talk about some of the characters on that floor. Now, what was described to us through this documentary is that those on the 17th floor were relatively young, relatively uneducated as far as what you would need, quote unquote, to go on on Wall Street. But the truth is, you don't actually need a degree to be on Wall Street. Like you, if you were savvy and you can figure things out, and as we see from Madoff, who did not have a degree in finance it is a place where at least at some point in our history folks who did not go to harvard or didn't go to fancy schools that learned how to crunch fancy numbers could start working there if they had the savoir faire and the business savvy to be able to do so so we meet a couple of people we meet a man who would like to remain anonymous but because of that he sounds like tracy morgan um, and he talks about how he um was on the 19th floor to start off and he worked nights um but then something happened and they put him down to the 17th floor or he would go there to like do something like he was kind of that in-between person and he saw that on the 17th floor shit was wild that there were like boxes of like old school documentation everywhere that they were writing stuff on post-it notes and index cards instead of like the computers it was very hodgepodgey uh we also meet um oh and he also said there was lots of cocaine and, ha and people having sex like especially the boss the big boss down there who is what who i refer to as our joe pesci character but his name is frank so frank pasquale. is pasquale yeah, yeah, you call him Pascal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Frank is in charge of the 17th floor. And I don't know, we don't know how we met he met Bernie, at least I don't remember, but the way that Bernie's 19th floor secretary describes him, I mean, we could call her an administrative assistant if it, you know, assistant if we were in our times, but because she started work in the 90s, she's a secretary. Um, so she says that. Uh, Frank was Italian like her, but Frank was from, I don't know, let's just say Jersey. And she was from Long Island and they should have been able to relate, but you know, she just couldn't relate to him. Meanwhile, like, I'm like, ma'am, you, you guys sound like you were like cousins, like first cousins. Um, and so she says that he told her that he started off as a gas at a gas station. So she was like flummoxed or, you know, I don't know, trying to use a, an Italian word. She didn't know what to think of that and, and like what was happening down there, but she minded her own business because uh, Bernie took care of everybody. Um, then we meet another woman by the name of Annette. Um, she was a, like an older like manager, but she really was the secretary of the, what I think, the secretary of the 17th floor. She made sure that everything was tip top and in shape. They say that she worshiped Bernie. I mean, even in this stupid like reenactment, they have this woman, the, the actor like rubbing the picture of, of Bernie's face, like in such adoration, like, oh my God, she loves him. Like she, she's so in, in awe of him. 
Um, she worked for him for 30 years and she was the secretary and clerk from Queens. Yeah, she was. Absolutely. Um, yeah, as Wa said, <clears throat> and we mentioned it in episode one, but if you didn't listen, there are reenactment actors throughout this docuseries. That's what's happening. We wouldn't have uh, chosen it ourselves, but that's what is playing out and we have to just like watch what we're watching. Okay. So there's a Bernie reenactment. There's like all these guys, they all have like, you know, pseudo actors. Like, you know, I hope those actors got paid a lot, but it's a lot of like slow moving, like, you know, like close up shots of people having reactions. Like I just, it feels like all of these actors got together honey, right after grad school of like some sort of theater program. And they shot all this in like two nights, two night shoots. I mean, you know, like, and they're all on shrooms. Okay. I mean, I don't know, but anyway, so let's get back to how fabulously wealthy Bernie is getting. And he's just living the high life with Ruth, honey, his wife. And he has these two sons, honey, Mark and uh, Andrew. And it's all like what you think it is just like nineties or sorry, eighties decadence. They're always going to Palm beach. They're just like getting cars. They have houses in Montauk. They have a penthouse now in like New York. They're just like, I mean, living the life. I think they, they might even have, I forget, I forget they said they had anything West coast. It's so funny. It's just like another oh, West coast. Nothing, no, you know, no need to like have like any sort of LA pad. It's just so funny. Uh, I also thought about, by the way, that like, yeah, um, that uh, Bernie's assistant like felt like Frank was so different than her. And it was just like, yeah, it was, that's like being like, yeah, I'm a Lebanese Syrian person from LA. But then, yeah, like there's this like crazy Lebanese Syrian people from Orange County. It's totally different. Can't relate. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, listen. As much as Bernie is doing shitty shit shit, like there are a lot of people that worked underneath him that can't say bad things about him that enjoyed the process. Tracy Morgan feels that way. His assistant loved him. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, he was also very hard to please and meticulous and whatnot. Obviously a horrible man. And if we've, I've said this, we've said this financial sociopath, but I mean, like these people like really were either dumbfounded uh, really tricked or just were happy with the comfort and the money in their lives and you know can't get can't get over what actually happened so one other pe person we meet that's on the shitty 19th floor is this woman named Jody Krupe <clears throat> and what I think she is is maybe like an unsophisticated like accountant type because when the FBI goes into the 19th floor they they literally see like index cards with like hundreds like 400 and 412 million 795,243 and then just like what I'm trying to say is that there is accounting done on index cards and different like inks it's like crazy and that's what Jody's doing again Jody also doesn't have the sophisticated education needed for the financial like organization for the level and scope of how much money that they have you know like that's kind of like maybe she could have kept books honey like let's just say like in a mom and pop auto body shop but this is like just a different scale what well no i think she could i think that she she did i think that that was just the method that bernie needed her to do it on because it had to, it couldn't be in computers anywhere. Like, so she was the one who managed and always knew how much money was coming in and coming out. So that 703 account is the account that they had the, um, the illegitimate account on the 17th floor that they had directly with JP Port Morgan, JP Chase. 
my bank, Chase, <laughs> Chase Bank. So, um, which is so crazy because she's just like, she, she knows if someone calls and needs to cut a check, she knows uh, how much the feeder funds are giving in. So she is diligently keeping track of the billions of dollars, millions of dollars, I should say, that are coming in weekly to this. So that's why I found it interesting that everyone, like not everyone, but the one secretary or the people who tried to describe, you know, um, Jody and the other folks that worked on the 17th floor as like unsophisticated. I was like, what? Like, and, and you could, you could easily say that about any mafia, any, any, any person who runs an, any kind of organization that's illegal, just because they don't have any formal training doesn't make their crime any, any more less sophisticated than someone else's crime. So it, it feels interesting because like, I just think they try to like class-wise separate what's going on. But I'm like, at the end of the day, whether or not he was stealing money from poor people or like, you know, working class people. And I can't even say poor people because like one of the things while watching this was like this crime happened to people, at least the ones that we saw. And I'm not saying that it didn't happen to everyday working class people, but the people that we were shown, I was shown while watching this were people who had some knowledge of investment and that itself brings them to a level that is like, my parents don't know anything about investing. Like the most they know about it is like, oh, you, you get stock. Like I am so ignorant when it comes to this part, this part of America and how, you know, one guy was like, my dad taught me about money. And I'm like, what? My dad told me how to spend it and I don't make it. So like, just so interesting that they make it seem like, oh, you know, um, that the 17th floor was just like so lowly or whatever, but they were the ones making all the money just like any organized crime syndicate or any drug dealer from another country who's like El Chapo, you know, <laughs> like they're doing it. Um, oh, can I just make a side note? Yeah. <clears throat> In the Zeta guys, El Chapo's girlfriend just uh, had released a picture mm -hmm. from prison. Did you see it? Yep. And everyone on black Twitter is like, oh, the person she took that picture with is El Chapo. He's go he's dead. The, the, the person's going to be murdered in jail because she's, he's in a picture with El Chapo's wife. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And she's posing, honey. She's like point posing. She's like, Tink, and she has cute glasses on. I was like, okay. So we go back. So yes, the son. So not only has Bernie um, had his brother, Peter working as um, in the firm, he also has his sons. Now his Brother Peter's a compliance officer for the 19th floor of the legitimate business, and his sons, Mark and Andy, work on the 19th floor of the legitimate business. Okay, so I don't know exactly what Mark and Andy do <clears throat> other than they work the trade desk, head of the trade desk. You know what I'm saying? That's what they, I feel like that's what they said. Um, okay, so while that's happening, you know, and Bernie is like quote unquote a family man in the fact that he i guess has his family the business him and ruth you know again love going to palm beach and we're going to kind of like deep dive in what that means and also how that relates to the business so palm beach florida um, um florida has always been somewhat of a mecca for <clears throat> New York people who want either a second home or a summer home, it feels like New York, Florida, there is like a, there's a lot of people that like vacation in Florida or whatever, specifically also cultural groups and the Jewish cultural group has a like, um, also, I feel like a lot of New York Jewish people go in between and in Palm Beach, there's a Jewish community. Um, 
Now, in Palm Beach, they're all as in a lot of places, there are country clubs, and the country clubs are independent organizations that have like whatever charters and I'm probably like the, the all of them pretty much unless there are something that you can just tell me were horribly racist and against everyone except waspy white people for the majority of, of time but specifically uh, against black people and against Jews so um they talk about how in Palm Beach, specifically for Jews, like there'd be signs that said like no Jews here and stuff like that for a lot of the country clubs. But there was the Palm Beach Country Club that uh, did, um, didn't have that, uh, wasn't racist towards Jews or uh, religious uh, discriminatory against Jews. So Jews, Jewish people totally like went all in for the Palm Beach Country Club or like this is our thing. This is we like, you know, this is our place. Like we're super into it. And so it was... Uh, you know, obviously because of the country clubness, there's going to also be then like a class, like it was a way in which upper class Jewish people in the area could mingle, you know, like network and everything. So it, that's a known thing, obviously. And Bernie going there and setting up kind of like an image of welfare or success there is a calculated move in order to attract business. Um, He's driving in with fancy cars. He's getting them parked by the valet. You know, everyone knows who he is. You know, like, there's Bernie. There is Bernie. This documentary starts with, of course, a story from the Palm Beach Country Club of some guy with his mom who knows of Bernie, who, like, sees him and talks about him. So, you know, like, he also, again, is a board director of NASDAQ and uh, is a titan in the financial world. So as they're there, you know, we also meet a rabbi who's going to, uh, who's kind of gives us the, the history of the Jewish people in the area. Like kind of like it's, of course I just gave you like a real basic version, but this is what he's been telling us this rabbi. Um, and he also talks about like how Bernie is able to manipulate new investors while also giving them an air of, unbridled success where it's this feeling of like, I don't need your money. I definitely don't need your account at all. I am doing like, listen, let's be honest. I am. I am so wealthy and my knowledge is so great that you would be so lucky if I did you a favor to take your money and make you money. Well, I'm sorry. I, it's, it's like, who? I'm sorry. Do you want money? Cause I have it. Do you want what I have? Because I don't need what you have. It's like a, it's, it's a business tactic. Well, it's like a psychological mind fuck that he's basically saying, listen, I'm not hungry like the rest of these fools for your money. So if you have questions about what I'm doing and how I'm able to give you 9% a year back and all of that, then go ahead and just take your money and go somewhere else, right? And people who are looking for a foothold to make sure that their family has money generations after, are all, everyone's always looking for that one thing. So while it all seemed too good to be true, because it came through somebody who was obviously in the community and you would think wouldn't do that to them, you know, because they are a niche community that it already has to face discrimination in this country. And they're not, you know, a lot of times entered into the white zeitgeist of like privilege and wealth and whatnot. And they have to like skirt around it and create own communities that if you've created a community and a safe haven for you to, you, you to survive and you, those within your group are still going to prey on you and take advantage of you, it just doesn't feel like they would do that. And that it's very clear, I think, in every culture, and it especially happens in the Black community. Like, 
in any and in, in the in many of the different black communities, like Nigerians will scam Nigerians, Ghanaians will scam Ghanaians, Belizeans will scam Belizeans because it is easier to scam people who look like you and who and to earn the trust of the people who you share a common goal, religion, race, creed with than anything else. And it's just really is quite indicative of how how much of a sociopath and how like narcissistic and crazy and greedy this person was that he nothing was sacred nothing and and when we talk more about his relationship with his brother like nothing was sacred that man was horrible to those around him and then he was still good to others of those around him so he created an abusive relationship like it's, it's like classic abuse those people around them, you yell at them, you berate them, you do all of these things emotionally to them, but you give them money and you buy them gifts and you make sure that they're comfortable. And if they come to you with a problem, you take care of it. But in exchange, in exchange, they are allowed to, you are allowed to belittle them and to do things to them. So we, what happens with this is that there is this um, hedge fund out of this becomes these, all these hedge funds, right? Greenfield Greenwich is a is a huge a hedge fund client of him, and that's one of those feeder accounts. So Greenwich, Fairfield, Fairfield Greenwich, they are taking the money from all of these people, their pensions, their life savings, like whatever they whatever money that they're given, and they are like, we'll take your money and we'll do great things with it. But they are giving this money to Bernie, and it's. Their, the, their clients have no idea who, how they're investing their money, what trades are happening. They just know that they get some kind of email or documentation from Fairfield Greenwich um, that says, this is how much money you're making. And again, whenever they're like pulling out or getting interest yearly for that, they're actually getting the money, right? It's not like they're not receiving any money, you know, through it. They're, they're doing well. They're living their lives. They're retired. They're, you know, setting up, they're putting their kids through school. They're doing all these things. Right. So in essence, like, think about it this way, you give your money to a company and they take your money and they do whatever with it and give you profits from it or give you whatever the words are for it. Right. You don't have any idea what they're doing with your money, but it is up to them because you are paying them. They're taking a fear commission from you when you give them your money or yearly or whatever they're doing that. And so they need to be making sure that what they're doing with your money is legitimate business. They're supposed to look out for your interests. That is what you are paying them good money to do. And these hedge funds, these feeder funds that are just feeding the illegitimate business are not doing that because Bernie is making them money. Yep. That's, that's true. So, um, we do, we meet some people, we meet, um, one of these people that he scammed is this woman. And she talks about how the fact that like her and her dad, just like his biggest thing was that all he wanted to do was like earn enough money in life and just be able to live off the interest at some point and retire. And she looked at his documents and she realized that he had invested with Bernie. He was getting 15%. And she was like, dad, how the hell are you getting 15%? That's like, it's like a doubt, you know, like that seems a lot. And he's just like, honey, don't worry your pretty little head. Oh, little girl. He doesn't know how to like think about that's money stuff. That's dad stuff. You know, I gotta know about that. So 
It's one of the heartbreaking things is that some of his victims have passed or whatever. And so uh, some of the children have to like deal with the fallout. And so we find a son and a, and a daughter who like talks about the fact that their parents had invested in Bernie. And um, it's like, yeah, did the trust of having a life inheritance with someone, it's a huge amount of trust to like give your money to someone. It's, you know, it's just, it, it made me really feel bad. But anyway, let's go back to Fairfield Greenwich. So one of uh, Greenwich, one of the guys that like runs that is guy, this guy named Walter Noel. And he has like a bunch of hot daughters, okay? And a bunch of hot daughters just marry like at the top of their game, like Bridgerton style, like, you know, across the board, like a bunch of like highfalutin dudes and various sectors just giving Bernie more access and there's all yeah like bernie's access isn't just and we've talked about like it's not just palm beach country clubs although there obviously is a like a large amount of jewish people and jewish charities and foundations from top to bottom that like had money with him but also he has access to like europe and like european banks and and like there's just his circles of influence just keep getting greater and greater meanwhile his brand of like i'm rich and i don't tell people shit about anything i'm real secretive like it, it just it unfortunately is really working and therefore there's just a lot of money coming in from the hedge fund feeder guys and now the access to the global cash you know he's just like there's just global banks that like he can connect with and like think that they're doing something super secretive and cool and making them money and then giving them an edge of other people but like they're all fucking dumb victims um <clears throat> let's let's go back to walter no noel because i oh. don't understand this person is pretending to have so much money but this they don't fix their teeth this man looks like he is a vampire his vampire teeth and they're yellow because he has not brushed every after time he sucks blood look oh, at those yeah. eyebrows like when you were like his hot daughters, I remember them not looking as bad as him, but like, like, I just don't understand. Like, you know what it is? It's because I'm from LA and rich people in LA put their money into their looks. And I think on the East coast, it's might be different because this man, how come no one told him? How come no one said dad? First of all, that toupee, it's a little too black for you. Secondly, <laughs> dad, can you please get your teeth fixed? If you're going to smile open mouth in pictures anyways i just wanted to for those of you guys who are on patreon you get to, you just get to see that it was it is this man is is rich you know what i'm saying uh so he i, I don't actually when i think about it this is the, really the only episode i recall them talking about him in and i don't know what his was he one of the owners of the feeder fund of the hedge yeah. fund okay mm -hmm. is that what i'm like why do they why did they mention him I in his five dollars so it's like i don't know what they have to do with the grand scheme of things besides and also like why they have to tell us that his five daughters married like aristocrat like the way that they married it was just interesting because i'm like what was the point of that and after watching the whole entire series <clears throat> so yeah he was in a situation where his mother-in-law gave him money too um because he was trying to you know hobnob with all the good people and so he did get one of his hedge funds to work with bernie and he was one of the biggest clients who didn't ask any questions because he wanted to be rich so bad so bad um so we then go into pickhower who is one of the four billionaire millionaires 
multimillionaires who funded the Ponzi scheme. Um, everyone, all the experts say that they really felt that Pickhower knew about the Ponzi scheme um, and he profited the most off the Ponzi scheme because because he knew it was a Ponzi scheme and he knew he had Bernie in the corner, he would just withdraw all of his money at some point and just like be like, give me all my money. I'm going to tell everybody. And Bernie would have to just come <laughs> with the money to pay him off. But then also, if Bernie was ever in trouble, he could go to Pickhower and Pickhower is like, okay, here's a billion. Just like, you know, make sure it keeps going. Like, it was like he was just playing with millions of dollars the same way I, you know, you play with monopoly money or like lottery money or like whatever like you know just like okay yeah i have sure i have ten dollars a week to buy some to do the lotto if i lose it i lose it most likely i'll lose it but okay you know like that kind of attitude um so then we get in um a he oh sorry i don't know why i jumped to the baron's interview one but we do we do start to get um one of a, a company i mean um a periodical that does an interview um, with starts to dig and look around and red flags come up and Bernie likes to ignore the people who are like, Hey, like, how is, how is Madoff doing this? How is he, how is he getting this done? And he's just like, eh, like, like nothing bothered him. It was like a water off a duck's back. So yeah, that's where we end episode two. We're just trying to figure out like, how, how does he, like, how did he do it? Why does he tell people not to tell people? That's a huge like red flag. And why doesn't he charge any fees? How come there's no losses? There's just like all of these questions that people are starting to have with his business. Yeah, 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 yeah. And all of it's weird because it's like, it makes no money to not charge a fee. The fuck are you getting paid? Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. You know, like, well, then why would you you get you know it's like nothing is free in this world honey nothing is free so when you go and you want to use someone's wi-fi free wi-fi to business they go yeah yeah yeah. give us your yeah just like here's your just give us your email that's you paying you're paying by giving them a little piece of your personal information there is nothing free in this world i don't know why i said free wi-fi i mean i could have said anything you know like anyway so just a little reminder <laughs> um yeah we are just going to just i mean steamroll into the crash that is this and just the whole time wondering how 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 did this how how did you get you know how did no one stop you how were there not checks and balances like how uh how how did you think it was going to like work you know like what was your end game you know so and then who who knows what and like it's it's all it's we'll never really know exactly who knows what like even as we talked to the assistant who seems like a very nice woman. I'm just like, really? You just, you really, you didn't hear anything. You never once sniffed around. Just like never heard one. You never just, I can't, you, they were right underneath you every day. You would share the elevator with them. Maybe, maybe not. Listen, Chris, when I can tell you the power, if, if it's none of your business, it's none of my business. I have a strong, it's none of my business power, especially at work. That is the one place that it is very easy to have. It's none of my business because that's where you get paid. And unless it is your business, like, you know, unless, unless this, unless someone doing something is directly going to affect you later down the line, then you make it your business. But if that those people, those unsophisticated people who work below me, if, if it, it listen, it, 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 do I want them to fuck up my money? I do not. 
and Bernie's already kind of like a hothead. I can't actually go talk to him about it. You know, like he, he, it's like, they're all abused. He, he bred a space where people were like indebted to him and loved him, but also feared him. I mean, listen, I totally get it. I totally, I, I get what you're saying. I just, you know, I, I just, it, I LOL because I think my only childness brings it up so that I think everything is my business or I want it to be my business or it should be my business or I got to know. So I'm just yeah. like, I'm a, you know, you know this about me. Um, it's one of the beautiful differences that makes us <laughs> friends. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. If you want more information on us, you can. I don't know why I said it that way. If you want more information, um, <laughs> you can you can absolutely uh, get more information at at DocuSweeties on Instagram and at DocuSweeties on TikTok and at DocuSweeties1 because why really fuck that one up on Twitter. Why? Yeah, and if you wanted to see our beautiful faces and get the visuals of what you were listening to right now, you could support us on Patreon for $10 a month and you get exclusive content. Um, you get the um, podcast or the visuals of it immediately after we're done filming it and talking about it. Um, and we also go live the first Monday of every month to talk about various things. So come on over to Patreon and join us. You will have fun. Okay. Well, you guys have a good day. Wherever, whatever time you're watching this, doing this, you know, whatever. And mm -hmm. stay tuned for episode three. All righty. Okay. Bye. Bye.